Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we'll be discussing the seven stocks that seem to be holding up the market and why it may be a sign to reconsider your traditional portfolio strategy. Also, how to balance the objective of growing your assets while providing income in retirement. There's no such thing as a perfect investment, which makes these strategies all the more surprising. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and president of Madrona Financial and CPAs. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Brian, as I understand it, Microsoft, Apple, Meta, Amazon, Google, Tesla, and NVIDIA are contributing to almost all the returns in the S&P 500. All the other 493 companies have contributed less than half a percent year to date. Do you think investors should be concerned about this sort of overweight situation? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talk about investing all the time and about all the different areas you can invest in. But the reality is that most people have most of their money either in their 401k plan, which is stocks and bonds, or at the strip mall advisor, stocks and bonds, or with the big box advisor, oh, stocks and bonds again. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're heavy into stocks, everybody would say, I'm well diversified. I'm like, really? Okay, tell me how. And well, I have the S&P 500. I have the total market index. The total market index has 3,000 stocks in it. And so I'm spread out 3,000 times. I'm like, well, no, you're, you got seven stocks that are driving this train, you know, and they're like, what do you mean? Well, what's well, so waiting? When we talk indexes like the S&P 500, it's 500 companies. I'm spread out all over. Yeah, okay, you've got a, a 100,000 in the S&P 500, and you've got many thousands in each of these seven stocks, and you get down to about 400, 450th biggest, the 480th biggest, you got about a buck 98 in those. Mm-hmm. That's not really diversification. There's, there's nothing in them, and you, you just don't own much. So that's market cap, that we call that, where you have the most money in the biggest. So as they get bigger, you have more and more of that. Now, is that good, bad, or indifferent? Well, we're kind of peel back the onion in this show on that. There is no answer to that necessarily because we don't know what the future holds. But you have to be know where you're at and say, okay, am I okay having most of my money in these tech stocks and media stocks, essentially? And is that where I want all my money? And does that always work? I'm like, well, no, it doesn't always work. I've got some prime examples where it did not work and it devastated retirement accounts, whether that be the the dot-com crash, you know, 9-11, all of that, 2008, uh, what happened when COVID hit. You know, there are times that they as a group tend to move together. They're very correlated. And if your timing isn't right, when you're taking money out of your accounts, you can be devastated. And, you know, we're trying to protect people because they're not being protected. You know, they're putting their money into something and they, they feel like they're diversified. They're told they are. And are they truly in all markets? I'm, I'm going to say no. And if that's the case and you're listening, you're going, wait a second. So you're going to tell me that the diversification I thought I had in my retirement plan may not do that, may not fix things if things go a certain way with these stocks, which they have in the past. I'm like, absolutely. And like, is there any way to fix that? Absolutely. And so we just have to be super careful that you know what you're in and you know how much of your stake of your retirement you want in these seven stocks. Brian, this is the most narrow market we've had since 1990. Why is that? Well, you know, as these companies got bigger and bigger, the indexing themselves, so you put your money in your 401k, you put a thousand a month in or whatever, times tens of millions of Americans, and they're all putting their money into the market. But they're essentially putting it into indexes themselves. And what do indexes do? 
Well, they buy the most of the biggest companies. Well, what happens when more of them are bought? Well, the biggest companies go up in value. And what happens when that happens? Well, the index gets more of those seven stocks. It's like this this self-fulfilling prophecy. The more we feed these, the bigger they get. And so what happens is that their market cap just continues to grow with while they're being fueled with new investment from 401ks. And you're thinking, well, doesn't that sound like a Ponzi scheme? <laughs> yeah. In a way, it is. It's not. But, you know, it's kind of the same principle that as long as people keep feeding it, we're fine. Everybody's fine. It's when they stop feeding it. And we see them drop, and they drop precipitously. Uh, as they did in 2022, the NASDAQ dropped you know, 30%. Some of these stocks were down 50%. You're going, how could the most popular companies in the world be down 50% in a blink of an eye? And that happened recently. So, you know, if someone said, well, that's not going to happen, I'm like, well, you don't have to go back very far in the past. Now, they certainly uh, mostly recovered for the most part. But will that happen next time? Well, it didn't happen in the dot-com era. Yeah, the market ended up recovering, but not the companies that created the drop. The dot-com, anything with dot-com under, at the end of its name, you know, dogfood.com, you know, whatever, people buy it, and those stocks got jacked up, and then they dropped, and most of them went out of business entirely. So you don't recover that. You know, when it goes to zero, there's no recovery happening. It's it's dead. And so you're, you're, a lot of people's retirement accounts were devastated by that. And could that happen? It could. Could it happen not going to zero? I'm not suggesting these seven companies will go to zero. But could they have a precipitous drop? Absolutely, they could. And would that devastate your portfolio? Probably if you're in index funds. So, Brian, if I'm hearing you correctly, the sector that is up uh, basically is tech, but financial stocks, energy, utilities, materials, and real estate, those are down. So should I just put all my money in things that are going up and neglect the down stocks? Well, this is an interesting question. I get asked this all the time because people look and go, well, look, this thing went way up. I want to buy it. I'm like, oh, okay. So are we buying high or are we buying low? Like, well, I don't know. And so let me give you an example. So I, I've had people come to me and go, this is a great company. I want to buy it. I say, well, how much net profit does it make? You know, it's, 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 I look at the price earnings ratio or whatever, and we might determine it's trading at a hundred times earnings. And so for every thousand dollars invested, it earns $10. And person might say, well, okay, that's fine. Well, what if it was trading at a thousand times earnings? So for every thousand you invested, your share of the profit was a dollar. Like, oh, uh, well, I, I guess I'd still buy it. What if it's 10,000 times earnings? You know, what if it's making a penny for, you know, or whatever? And so every company isn't always awesome. It isn't always an awesome buy. You might look at, you know, I, I love this house and how much is it? It's a million dollars. So would you buy it at 10 million? Well, of course not. Well, I thought you just said you love the house. You love that stock. You love whatever. Well, it's overvalued. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Stocks can get very overvalued and stocks long-term trade based upon their profitability long-term. So sometimes when a sector is down, that is the best time to buy it if its earnings are there. So if you're in sector funds that focus on maybe cash flow or valuation measurements and so forth, you might be in a situation where you're buying low and selling high. And last time I checked, that's a pretty good idea. Later in the show, I'm going to show how 8% returns can be less than 5%, which sounds crazy, but we're going to talk about sequence of return risk and how uh, it's not just about buying something that's going up in a particular time period. It's about the sequence of when those increases happen. But back to the the question at hand is, uh, am I suggesting you buy or don't buy tech stocks? Neither. I'm suggesting you need to understand what you're in and what can happen in the markets. And the narrower your investments are, the more likelihood you have of it not working out as part of your plan. The more alternative investments in all the different areas that you have, the higher your likelihood of a successful retirement. Even if you have decent returns in your your growth stocks, if you're pulling money out of them and your sequence is wrong, then that can be devastating to your portfolio. Brian, as we discussed earlier, I mean, Microsoft, Apple, Meta, Amazon, Google, Tesla, NVIDIA, those are contributing to almost all the returns in the S&P 500. Do you see situations like this in non-equities markets? Not to that extent. And so if we look at private non-traded real estate, dollar statutory trust, that kind of thing, alternative investments, certainly fixed index annuities. I mean, they have a floor of zero typically. And so I don't care what the market is. I'm not going to expect to lose money. And that certainly helps my retirement account 
in those time periods where it either loses money or is flat for a long period of time that I can predict there's some level of predictability to my portfolio that you just can't have when you're bunched in seven stocks that are in similar industries, highly correlated with one another. I mean, that's just, ooh, that's risky. Now, maybe that's okay with you. Maybe you're still working and that's exactly what you want. You want high risk, high long-term returns. So as long as you're not touching it, that might be appropriate. But for most of the people we work with, they are touching it. They're in retirement. They're pulling money out of their accounts. So that's why the discussion about stock market investing is very different between someone that's not touching it for years and years and years and someone that's pulling monthly income out of it. Brian, earlier you talked about alternative investments and among those was real estate, but not everybody can get into real estate investing. What are some of the other alternatives? Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at a portfolio and, and it's coming from maybe another advisor, and again, it's that 60-40 stock bond split or 80-20 or whatever you want to do with that. And we know that both stocks and bonds really struggled in 2022. And people are upset because they maybe have lost a fifth of their retirement plan their first year out of the gate. And they're going, wait a second, this is terrible. I'm devastated and my wife's devastated and I, well, we don't know what to do. And then I compare that to somebody that maybe said, you know, I'm going to put money into many different areas. So cash, cash equivalents, I have some CD money on the one year. I've locked up some fixed annuity money at a high rate for three and five years. A fixed index annuity with a floor of zero, another with increasing lifetime cash flow. I got money in a universal life policy. Maybe it's premium finance. I've got private non-traded equity REITs. I've got debt instruments where I'm getting really high yield. Maybe I have active real estate, but I don't need to be active. I can do it through these other uh, methodologies. Maybe Maybe I have 1031 in a Delaware statutory trust or I have an opportunity zone or buffered ETFs or structured notes or private equity. I could go on and on. There are so many different areas someone could invest in. And if I see a portfolio that had even half of what I just named off, I know their 2022 felt a lot better probably than that 60-40 stock bond split person did because they had some true diversification in their portfolio that a typical 60-40 just didn't provide in 2022. Brian, before we keep going, I want to take a moment here to invite our listeners to give us a call so they can request their rooted wealth analysis that can potentially have less risk exposure and ultimately grow better financial roots so they can be better prepared for the financial storms that seem to be right out there on the horizon. If you're listening to us right now and you want a more comprehensive diversification strategy to help grow your assets while lowering your overall risk, then call 833-673-7373 and request your rooted wealth analysis. That number again is 833 833- 673-7373. Now, it's not going to cost you a dime, but it could be just what you need to help achieve your financial goals. Now, you must have at least $500,000 in investable assets to qualify, but those who call and are qualified as a bonus will also be sent Brian's brand new book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement at No Cost. That number, once again, is 833-673-7373. 833-673-7373. Brian, credit card delinquencies seem to be rising. Core inflation is not fading that much. How does this affect the market? Yeah, in a couple of ways. As I see things things that the government after COVID hit put a lot of money in people's pockets that they spent and they've been spending and a lot of them pulled themselves out of the workforce. And so spending was high, so created inflation. And then it was thought, okay, if we raise interest rates and spending's going to drop. Well, that's not what happened. Spending continued going on. Savings dropped. 401k contributions are dropping. Credit card borrowing is increasing. So people are carrying, you know, they're used to a new style of living, a lifestyle, Mm -hmm. and they can't afford it. And so credit card spending is going up. So that's where I see the delinquency happening is it was all a a result of, of what we how we reacted to COVID. And how does this affect the markets? Well, eventually that spending has to slow down. Because, you know, our credit cards are maxed. Uh, I've already cut back on my 401k contributions. I spent all the money I had in the savings account, and I'm not working full time anymore. You know, it's just like, oh, that's a problem. So I can't spend the money. Uh, I'm forced to not spend as much. 70% of the economy is consumer spending. 
And so when that 70% starts to take a whack, it hasn't yet really. I haven't seen that yet because of the borrowing and all that. But when that starts dropping, then companies earn less. And when companies earn less, guess what? Stock markets drop because uh, stock markets follow earnings. So it's this progression that we can see it's possible that the stock market's going to be under a lot of pressure. Companies are going to be a lot under a lot of pressure. They got to figure out what to do when consumer spending starts to dissipate. Brian, Apple just released these new VR headsets at $3,500, and people are already beginning to line up to buy these things. And again, as you said, credit card delinquencies, they just don't care. They're putting them on credit cards. What is it going to take to sort of slow this progression that we have right now and right this market, do you think? Oh, I think it's like self-motivation. I mean, you, you know, okay, you go out and you get that. Generally, people that are retired and working on their retirement plans are not probably buying VR sets. So we, the target market's probably my kids. Right. And my kids don't have $3,500. So if they went out and bought one on credit, okay, they're going to, you know, have to face the piper someday and they'll go, well, wait a second, I have a, I'm really good at my VR set, but I, I can't afford a car. Yeah. Because I don't have a down payment anymore because most of my checks going to pay my credit card debt. Now, I'm not picking on them particularly, but you're forced into different kind of action. You're forced to live a different kind of lifestyle. Eventually, it catches up with you. Now, we're probably one of the only countries in the world that we can fake it for a while by borrowing. You know, there's tons of credit cards. It's easy to get a credit card. It's easy to get credit here. And companies are, are more than willing to put you in the hole to buy their product. And so that goes on. But eventually, it catches up with you when you want to actually do things with your life. Life that are more important than uh, your video gaming. Brian, no one knows the future. Can you tell me what we should look for, sort of like the canary in the cold mine, to determine whether or not the market is beginning to right itself? Yeah, I mean, there's so many uh, attributes to a market, and it would be impossible to cover them all, and, and some of them matter more than others. But I always kind of go back to earnings. I mean, you, why do you buy a stock at all? Well, because when you buy a stock, you own a share of their net profits. And they might retain those profits, they might reinvest those profits, they might pay them out as a dividend, but ultimately companies go up in value as their profits go up over time and down in value or out of business when they go down or they go to zero and, and don't recover. And so ultimately, I've got to be looking at what is your net profits and how much am I paying for those profits? And that's why the, the industries that lead the, the indexes, like the tech industry and some of those companies, again, are, are really media industries. I mean, you're thinking you're buying tech stocks. Is Facebook a, a tech stock? Well, no, it's a media stock. Yeah. They're selling advertising. They're not selling you software. They're not selling you games. They're, they're selling advertising. That's where they get paid. So it's interesting. And one of the biggest uh, industries out there is advertising. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what we're looking at. So as you analyze uh, the stock holdings and we're seeing that the multiples, the price earnings ratios, how much we're paying for earnings seems to be going up, up, up. But I just said that consumer spending is likely to decrease. We're, we're seeing signs of that, certainly, anyway, that people are, are that are consuming, that are buying the products of these companies, they're kind of running out of that extra money they had post-COVID. And they're borrowing right now, but that can't go on forever unless you're the U.S. government. Then I guess yeah. you borrow more and more forever and ever and everything yeah. will be just fine. We'll, yeah. we'll print $1 trillion <laughs> coins and pay it off or something, I guess. Yeah. I won't take one of those coins, by the way. No, no. Um, so, but for the rest of us, we have to pay back our debts. And that can, again, slow down the, the mm -hmm. economy because 70% of the economy is run on consumerism and so forth. And if that happens, it could be uh, you know, the uh, canary in the coal mine, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. that once that starts and people realize, oh, this isn't turning around anytime soon. There's maybe panic in the market. We see another dip. We know dips happen all the time. We, we we just came out of one last year, and maybe it recovers right away, like maybe last year's recovered mostly pretty quickly. But I know in periods of time in our history where it did not. It did not recover quickly, or many areas of the market didn't recover at all, or were replaced. And that's another thing. We have to understand, well, tech stocks rebounded back then. Okay, back in 99, let's say uh, you had a bunch of tech stocks, and you might say, well, I just looked it up on a graph. That whole industry recovered. I'm like, well, wait a second. No, the replacement stocks recovered. <laughs> 
meaning that the companies that were in your index, your eggheads and, and all these other companies that were around way back when, right. they went out of business. They mm-hmm. were replaced by the Googles and you know Facebooks and so forth. Those Googles and Facebooks were not leading the index in 99. And so we're talking different stocks completely. So you have to be careful that you, you may be in a sector you think was fine, but the stocks you're in aren't the ones that led to their re- ultimate recovery. And you don't know when or if that's actually even going to happen. Yeah, it reminded me of Egghead, uh, Brian. I didn't know it was out of business, but I guess <laughs> times do change. Brian, what should some of our listeners look for if they're looking at their portfolio and they're realizing they're not as well off as they thought they were? Well, I I think it starts with just identifying what are you in. So you may, uh, rather than coming in, uh, you might start with looking in the mirror or looking at your spouse and going, okay, I'm going to tell you what I'm invested in. What is my retirement invested in? And most people, when they're asked that, they just don't know. They just absolutely don't know. You know, they mutual funds. Okay. But what is it in? So we might be talking about the 60-40 stock bond split. So well, I'm in stocks and bonds. Uh, which stocks? Well, I don't know. They're, they're, I've got mutual funds. I've got lots of them. I'm diversified. And as we talked about earlier on the show, well, you probably are mostly in seven stocks. Uh, which bonds? And they go, I don't know. I, well, you're probably in government bonds that don't pay a lot of interest and took a real hit in, in 2022. And so once you start peeling back the onion there and you go, gosh, I, I didn't realize that most of my money is in just a couple of different areas that uh, maybe I don't want you know, 40% of my money in government bonds. You know, maybe, maybe I don't want all my money in advertising stocks and tech stocks because every so often they, they fall off the rails. And if I'm pulling money out, my retirement's at risk. Okay. What else do you have in your portfolio? And I'm like, Oh, I think that's it. So you got all your eggs in two baskets and you're not even thrilled about your two baskets. So just identifying what are you in? Because again, we talk about on the show, all these different areas that someone can invest in. And I rattled off some earlier. I left off a whole bunch. And you know, if, if you're looking at your portfolio and going, huh, I don't see any fixed index annuities and guaranteed lifetime cash flow and, and real estate that pays me monthly rental income, passive or active or Delaware Sister Trust. And I, I don't see anything with floors to my losses or anything that helps uh, in a bad market. I don't see any alternatives to the stock market. I don't have any safe money. I don't have all these different things that construct a, a proper portfolio for retirement. You know, maybe it's okay when you're, again, 20, 30, 40, but uh, when you're constructing a retirement portfolio, that looks very different or should look very different than your portfolio in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. So I guess the takeaway would be take a look at your portfolio, what your retirement assets, what you're going to live on for the rest of your life and your spouse's life. And if you can't say what you're in and what is inside of those names on there, the names of the mutual funds or ETFs or whatever they are, and you can't determine if you have any alternatives in your portfolio, that's when you might kind of stop and go, wait a second, my retirement's probably at risk and I need this looked at. Brian, for all those people who are listening to us right now who want to be better prepared for the potential market drop so that you can continue to sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years, pay attention to this. This is for you. I want you to dial 833-673-7373 right now and request your rooted wealth analysis at no cost. You must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify. When you call, you'll get a friendly voice on the other end of the line who will gather some basic information so that your local trusted Madrona advisor from Madrona Financial and CPAs will be able to call you back early next week. Now, this analysis is an open conversation intended to help you uncover financial blind spots or what we like to call shallow roots and help you discover potential solutions so that you can create a lifestyle plan and a growth plan that's more suited for the current market conditions and ultimately help you sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. Remember, even the mightiest of trees fall if their roots aren't deep enough. That's why the rooted wealth analysis is so very important. We can help you grow deeper financial roots so that you're better prepared for 
financial storms. As a bonus, qualified callers are also going to receive a copy of Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement at no cost. So call Madrona Financial and CPAs right now and request your rooted wealth analysis. That number once again, 833-673-7373. That's 833-673-7373. One call can make all the difference. If you're just joining us, this is Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. My name is Jeff Shade, and we just finished discussing the seven stocks that seem to be holding up the market and why it may be a sign to reconsider your traditional portfolio strategy. If you want to hear the show again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. You'll get this show and weekly takeaways so you can stay on top of your wealth and how to grow it. We're going to take a quick break, Brian. When we come back, we'll be discussing how to balance the objective of growing your assets while providing income in retirement. There's no such thing as a perfect investment, which makes these strategies all the more surprising. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about growth and income and how they interplay. Brian, if stocks kept going up, you really wouldn't need a financial advisor, it would seem. But stocks certainly don't do that. They don't do that in a straight line. And in some cases, you're probably right. And in some cases, I can show that you're actually wrong with that statement. So for instance, I was just looking at a chart and it said, okay, what would happen if someone had $100,000 and they put it in the S&P 500 back the year that I was a senior in in high school? Mm -hmm. And we just did the next 30-year actual returns on that $100,000. Well, that $100,000 became $700,000. And so you're like, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, then why do I need a financial advisor? Well, let's say that we reverse the order of those returns. The first year's return, we put it the 30th year, and the 30th year, the first, and and so on and so forth. What would happen to those 30 years? The exact same result. It didn't matter what order because I didn't touch that money. So now, again, I'm saying, wow, who needs a financial advisor? Who needs an income strategy? If that money was averaging, say, 8% during that really good time from when it was low in the late 70s, uh, 79 in this case, to where it was high in the uh, much higher in the late 2000s, that 30 years says, I don't care what order this stuff happened. But then something interesting happens. Let's say retirement happens. And we still had those exact same returns repeat themselves for the next 30 years. In the first example, now that I have $700,000 and I start pulling 5% out, but I'm earning an average of 8. Well, that worked out pretty good. If you repeated the returns from 1979 on, and you would actually have almost $3 million for your heirs after 30 years pulling 5% out a year. So again, I got another example of why I don't need a financial advisor. But then something interesting happens. Let's say that I had that $700,000 to start with in my retirement, and I flipped the order again. Well, before I said it didn't matter. Well, now it does matter because I'm pulling 5% out. And this is where I'm saying 8% is less than 5 mm-hmm. Because most people, if I promised you over the next 30 years, your investment's going to earn 8% on average. And you said, well, I'm only pulling 5 so there's no way this could fail. Doesn't that make sense, Jeff? Oh, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It fails in my example because I flipped the order. And we had a bad year to start. And maybe that bad year was you in 2022. And so literally, if we had the flip of the order, I don't need 30 years return. And why is that? Because your money runs out before year 20 happens. Mm -hmm. And this is what really bothers me about my whole industry, Jeff, is that so many advisors and so much advice out there is all about, well, just grow your assets at a certain rate and and diversify stocks and bonds. You'll be fine. You won't be fine under many circumstances. You know, you can have your retirement destroyed. We're dealing with people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it just bugs me to no end when someone's looking at a portfolio, they put together a growth package. And even if that growth package 
outperformed what they're pulling out. You just devastated these poor people's lives financially because of the sequence of future returns. Well, first of all, that advisor does not know what the future average of returns is going to be, nor do they know the sequence of those returns. So we're taking two complete unknowns and saying, I got your retirement figured out. Here, just follow this plan because I have a historical chart that says it works. And I'm saying very often that's not going to work. So it really upsets me that when advice is given out there, whether it's online or in person or whatever, that says this is all you need to do. You just need to focus on your rate of return and your retirement's going to be fine. It is not fine if you're pulling money out to live on under so many circumstances. So, you know, I, I get fired up about this, Jeff. Sorry if I got off the tracks a little bit there, but this is important stuff. And I'm I generally see people after they've been hurt by bad advice. I don't get people coming to me that got great advice their whole life and they're looking to switch. They should stay where they're at and keep doing what you're doing if it's, you know, if you're getting great advice. But I'm seeing people that aren't getting great advice and it's the same advice, this cookie cutter thing across the country, across 401k plans, across the internet, all this cookie cutter advice that I just look at and it just cringe because it's affecting people's lives, their retirements, their legacy, their spouses, their kids, their charity they're everything and it's so pervasive out there so this is why I do what I do I guess and I want to do what I can to help people have a better retirement yeah and the media is just so full of blanket advice like this and people take it as, as if it's going to be the gospel but as you've said many times I mean everyone is an individual and it really occurs to me that there really isn't any sort of simple advice I mean financial planning really requires somebody to dig really deeply because financial plans can be very complex depending upon the individual. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we are swayed by what we read and, and you know, money goes into advertising and, and messaging and so forth. And if you think about it, the stock and bond market, uh, there's a lot of money behind that. The U.S. government needs to think uh, have us think that bonds are awesome. Otherwise, we won't fund the government. And, you know, Wall Street needs us to think stocks are awesome and, and all the, the market players out there and all the investment companies that only primarily focus on stocks and bonds and that kind of thing. Mutual fund companies, exchange Creative funds. They need us not to be thinking about other areas, alternatives that we talk about on this show, because they don't get paid. And you'll follow the money. So the the advice we're going to receive, you go online, naturally has to be from the people. You know, I, I always tell my clients, I say, well, I read this thing. I want to say, who wrote it? They go, does that matter? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> follow the money. <laughs> Whoever wrote it has a, an interest in swaying your opinion. People don't just write stuff about finances typically that aren't trying to sway you into buying whatever they're selling. So if you know that going in and, and you know, you're, you're suspect going in whenever you read anything on the internet. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's right, Jeff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As we know. Absolutely. Uh, they're trying to sway your opinion and follow the money. So the money is in the stock and bonds. And so we're being programmed to think that's all we need. And I just showed a, a, an example. You know, it's a it's a spreadsheet I'm looking at. Sorry, this is radio. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, if, if your sequence of returns isn't right and you're pulling money out of your retirement, even a high return isn't necessarily going to save your retirement. So, Brian, you you say that stocks are a great way to grow your assets, but they're not a good, reliable source to draw income from. That's exactly right. You know, in our seven steps to successful retirement, growth is one of the steps. We want our assets to grow, but so is income, uh, lifestyle planning, income for life. And they are not my go-to for that because I just gave an example where if I adjust the sequence and even though uh, over a long period of time, my returns on the stock market is higher than what I'm drawing. If I have negative years in the beginning, that blows up. I run out of money. So I can easily prove to anybody that if you just use stocks to pull money from in retirement, you are taking substantial risk of running out of money. And no one wants that to happen. So there are other alternative investments that we turn to for income purposes. And whether that's a fixed index annuity with guaranteed income for life, uh, your active or passive real estate, uh, paying you rental income, Delaware Statutory Trust using 1031 exchanges or other types of investments that have reliable sources of income for life. We always like my tool analogies. Let's let's say that you want to build a house mm-hmm. and you know the, the stock market is the analogy for the hammer. And you say, well, I can do this with with just a hammer. Well, you can't build a house with just a hammer. Well, what if I have 100 hammers or 100 stocks in my portfolio? Well, 
that didn't help my income plan here. Sure. Nor did it help me build a house. I need other tools to build that house properly. More of the same tool does not get me there to build a house. More of the same investment does not get me that diversification and that income source that I need to have a proper retirement that has cash flow. And so that I think that analogy holds true in this case because obviously we need many different tools to do a job right. And I, I think that analogy kind of sets that out. Yeah. So as you said, I mean, the analogy would be having a diversified toolbox. I look in my toolbox and certainly I've got some hammers, but I got a lot of other tools as well, too. But I've got some tools that are older and the new tools that have come out are better than the older tools. Is that the same with financial tools and financial instruments is that today you do have some better better options than we did even five, 10 years ago? Jeff, that was a really good uh, pivot there. Uh, uh, that, <laughs> I'm just thinking well, of that. that. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I was just keeping it basic. I, you want lots of different, I'm picturing a toolbox and, and yeah. you know, it doesn't all have the same tool in it. It has all the different tools. And you just brought up a great point that sometimes you have, you know, you have a hand a screwdriver in there. Well, wouldn't you like to also have a drill with screwdriver bits on it? Absolutely. So you can really, you, you know, so we have better tools better than we tools. had yeah. in my dad's toolbox. Maybe he had just the screwdrivers by hand in, in our toolbox and have that drill. And so, yeah, better tools are out there that weren't even out there maybe a year or two ago. There's more and more things on the market that can provide protection and cash flow and tax savings that just weren't around, you know, 5, 10, 20 mm-hmm. years ago for sure, but even within the last couple of years. So if you haven't had a chance to kind of look at your toolbox and, and we started out this show saying, take a look at your portfolio. Well, understand that there's a lot of tools that you can use to get you to a different place. Problem is a lot of those tools you cannot get on your own. You have to go through a financial advisor. And the other problem is most financial advisors do not offer the tools that the different investment options that we've been mentioning on this show. Yeah, in the old days, I mean, they built houses with wooden dowels and, you know, logs and things like that. And it took them forever to build these houses and the houses were only so good. But then when, uh, you know, hand tools became available and uh, power tools, you could do it so much faster, but you could do it so much better too. So I guess financial advisors are sort of like the old school mechanics. I mean, the new school mechanics can do it faster, they can do it better, and they have more options. So, Jeff, that reminds me of a a time when I was a financial advisor, and I remember in one week I talked to two widows, and one of them had $3 million of net worth, and the other one just had $1 million. But the three ended up having some trouble because when I met with her, I was trying to talk about some alternatives and so forth, and she just told me uh, I'm crazy because she was getting a 4% yield on her. So she had her income plan. She had her growth plan. Uh, you know, her investments are $3 million. She didn't need my help. Well, unfortunately, that 120000 a year that she had coming in from the 4% dividend from Washington Mutual stock kind of went to zero when Washington Mutual stock went to zero. And I think back on that, and I wish I tried harder or something to convince her that she was taking risks, but there was just no talking her out of it. That was her the stock she was going to have, and her retirement went to zero in the course of a couple months. Her income went to zero. Mm-hmm. So that stock market investment was not an income plan that she could rely on. Conversely, the other widow with a million dollars I talked to during that time, we allocated some of the stock market, but we had a lot in safe investment, lifetime cash flow, other alternatives. The market crash happened, and yeah, that 20, 30, whatever percent was in the market did drop, but the other stuff, that much of the other stuff was protected, had different results and so forth. We rode that thing out. She has a successful retirement going forward, and I think back on that a lot and where people think they have something in their head saying, no, my growth portfolio is also my income portfolio. Word to the wise, it doesn't always work out the way you think. Brian, in that first story, that is unfortunately a common occurrence. I've heard that story before, so I'm glad you were there to help right the ship for the person in that second story. Brian, before we keep going, I want to take a moment here to invite our listeners to give us a call so that they can request their rooted wealth analysis so they can potentially discover a few blind spots before it's too late. If you're listening right now and you want to see what a comprehensive financial plan looks like and determine if your current plan is up to par, call 833-673-7373 and request your rooted wealth analysis. That number, once again, 833-673-7373. That's not going to cost you a dime, but it could be just what you need to help achieve 
achieve your financial goals. You must have at least $500,000 or more investable assets to qualify, and those who call and are qualified as a bonus, we're also going to be sending you Brian's new book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement at No Cost. That number one more time, 833-673-7373. That's 833-673-7373. So, Brian, we need to grow our assets. We need to create income. We do need to have a tax minimization plan. Where do you start with such a complex situation here? How do you begin to design these plans that will last 30-plus years? Yeah, I mean, I said, look at this. Yeah, we, we call it the seven steps. And so uh, I was sharing my frustration with my industry at large where the focus is on one step, growth. And I do get people come in and go, well, what's my rate of return going to be with you? Um, well, I don't know because, first of all, I don't know you yet. I don't know what the markets are going to do. I don't know how we're going to be invested. And uh, they'll come back sometimes and say, well, I was just promised 10% from somebody else. I said, well, go there then. <laughs> that sounds like a really good return. But uh, I don't know how they can promise you a, a particular return in the future because they don't know. And so they're just telling you what you want to hear. And if you want me to tell you what you want to hear, I'm we're done. This meeting's over. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you what we think is the truth. And so they, you know, all of my advisors would go that route. We want to tell you the truth. And the truth is there are seven steps. It is not easy. It's not something we can do in a minute and just say, well, just put all your money in the NASDAQ and pull money out every month and you'll be fine in retirement. Well, you may not be. And so we need to look at all these steps. And the first one we start with is lifestyle plan. It is not the growth plan. It's not the rate of return plan. And again, people think, well, that's all I need is a good rate of return. And I talked earlier on the show, if your sequence of return isn't right, even a good rate of return higher than what you're pulling money out at can cause you to completely run out of money and not have the life you want to live because you'll be broke. That's a bad thing. And so uh, we start with a lifestyle plan. That lifestyle plan is basically your lifestyle is funded by your cash flow. And if your cash flow isn't reliable, your lifestyle isn't reliable. And so we need to protect your lifestyle first before we worry about growing your assets on top of that because you've got to have money to spend. So we start with that. We start with what is your lifestyle, you know, what do you want it to look like? How much do you spend? How much do you want to spend? We get to know you and and what that looks like because everybody's different right there. Then we can, you know, look at the growth plan. How are we going to have adequate growth in your investments to, to get you there? And that can be the stock market as one of the components of that. But that would be a component that we're probably going to leave alone for the most part because we don't want to subject ourselves to that sequence of return risk I've been talking about. So, Brian, it appears that there's a proper order of these steps. As you said, you start with a lifestyle plan. And unfortunately, you know, some of these people have gone into advisors and they, you know, jump right to the growth plan or they say, I know what you need because I've got one tool and it's an annuity. But really, the lifestyle plan, I mean, that's the foundation of everything, isn't it? I think so, because it is about what you're going to, you know, the other stuff is is important, too. No question. But certainly taking care of yourself and your spouse in your retirement requires more money coming in to pay for stuff. And so uh, that that to me is the foundational piece of that. Your rate of return over, you know, during your lifetime in retirement, okay, that's important. But is it more important than the money you had to spend each month? I don't think so. But I will say that even the, the third one I'm going to talk about here is just as important as growth. Your rate of return, if it's positive, that's awesome. Well, what if it's negative? Well, I would have hoped I had the third one here. It's called a protection plan. Protection plan says, I need some of my portfolio not to be fully at risk all of the time in the rest of my years on this planet, you know, and, and for my spouse, that, that there is some amount of time and, and investment that was allocated to not get hammered in a bad market. And so that's a protection plan. So often, you know, I, when we're getting to know somebody, everybody wants growth and, and protection and nobody wants losses and no protection. So we try and get a sense of which is more important by how much you know it might be on a scale of one to ten uh, growing your assets or protecting your assets I'm like well it used to be uh, growing and now it's uh, more about protecting because I'm retired and so we often hear that so I might interchange those if we had an order to this that mm-hmm. lifestyle might be first cash flow Second might be security, protecting what I have. I worked hard. I have enough money if I don't blow it. Then maybe growth is is below that. 
The next step that we talk about, though, is taxes. Now, that touches everything, you know, everything on the list. Taxes are a central part of all investment planning, or should be. Unfortunately, my industry often doesn't have adequate access to good tax advice while it's giving advice on your 60-40 stock bond split. You know, there's not a lot of tax planning involved in that, probably. But taxes, you know, they're your biggest expense and and probably one of your biggest issues in retirement. So having a proper tax plan. So in our our meetings, we ask you to bring a tax return. We put it through a program and then we have an analysis uh, with CPAs, you know, on staff that can truly look for opportunities, give us an idea where we're at talk about, you know, should we be doing Roth conversions? Should we be uh, timing things that are under our control to get uh, the lower marginal brackets, et cetera, et cetera. I can't recite the tax code here in the remaining minutes of this show, but uh, certainly taxes are the next step. Brian, the tax plan is the fourth step here. Shouldn't it be one or two? Uh, No, uh, I don't want the tax tail to wag the dog. You know, I can get your taxes down to zero. We just won't have any growth, any income, any assets, no nothing, and your taxes be zero. What we want to do is minimize the taxes while having really good cash flow and growth of assets and so forth. So it really has to come after the other steps. It's a, it's a function of that. It's almost like I'll, I'll do a house analogy. I, mm-hmm. I want you to build a great house, and once it's done, then we can pick out what color to paint it. There's an order to that. You don't start with painting the exterior of the house before you built the house in the first place. Sure. And so there is kind of an order to this, and taxes are a component of everything, but we want a successful plan put together, and then we can address, all right, how do we tweak this to minimize your taxes? Brian, taxes, of course, one of the biggest expenses that you'll have in retirement, but in addition to that, and almost equally as big, if not bigger, is going to be a health care plan. Yeah, I mean, they're side by side for a reason. Uh, we talked about income coming in. Uh, why? Well, because we have uh, income taxes, we have health care expenses in our retirement plan. So we have to provide for those two. I, I know those are big. I don't have uh, car expenses as one of the seven steps. I have health care. I have taxes because those are number one and two, uh, maybe not in that order. And so it's so important to address that and, and Medicare questions and long-term care questions, et cetera, with the health care. And the final two steps have to do with gift and legacy. And my differentiation there is I look at gifting is kind of something during your lifetime, whether it's to uh, kids or charities or whatever that may be. And legacy is your estate planning. What, what happens to everything when I'm gone? Or just making sure if I die prematurely that things are in place that they go smoothly for my loved ones, my spouse, my kids, my charities, whatever it is, that they go smoothly. So gift and legacy kind of go hand in hand. But they're last because, again, they're a function of how well we did uh, growth and cash flow and provided for expenses and and protected our assets, uh, then, okay, now what's left can be part of the gift plan and the legacy plan. Brian, a legacy plan, in addition, is more than just who you're going to leave your money to, right? Well, it sure is. And certainly, we got to start with the basics here. Uh, half the people I talk to do not have an updated will or living trust. And so there is no plan whatsoever. And not only is there no plan for their assets, what would happen under different circumstances going forward, where the assets ultimately land, how much of those assets uh, unnecessarily are going to estate taxes. Do we have a health care directive, a durable power of attorney? Do we have to go through probate? Are you going to leave your spouse and kids with all those uh, things? I've, I've never heard anybody said, I just I just finished the most cool project. I was executor of an estate. That was so much fun. You know, I, mean, I don't <laughs> yeah, think right. those words have ever said yeah. uh, along with that. That's a really cool Prius you got there. You know, <laughs> certain things people don't say out loud. Being an executor can be extremely excruciating or trustee or, you know, just picking up the pieces when a loved one dies and, and they didn't provide for any of that. So legacy planning is way more than just estate planning and, and figuring out who you're going to leave your money to because uh, there are many different things that can happen. You don't know when you're going to pass away. You don't know your spouse, your kids, how they handle money. There's so much to it. It's a huge area that, again, gets bypassed if you're just getting advice on a 60-40 stock bond split. So, Brian, it appears that to have a comprehensive financial plan and one that'll last 30 years is really not that simple. It can be quite complex, and that's where you address these seven steps to a successful retirement. If you're listening and you want a comprehensive financial plan so you can solve for more than just income, listen up. This is for you. I want you to dial 833-673-7373 right now and request your rooted wealth analysis at no cost. 
You must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify. Now, when you call, you're going to get a friendly voice on the other end of the line who will gather some basic information so that your local trusted Madrona advisor from Madrona Financial and CPAs will be able to call you back early next week. This analysis is an open conversation. It's intended to help you uncover financial blind spots or what we like to call shallow roots and help you discover potential solutions so that you can retire with a comprehensive plan that's designed to sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. This applies even if you've already retired. Remember, even the mightiest of trees can fall if their roots aren't deep enough. That's why the Rooted Wealth Analysis is so very important. We can help you grow deep financial roots so that you're better prepared for future financial storms. And as a bonus, qualified callers will also receive a copy of Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement at No Cost. Call Madrona Financial and CPAs right now and request your Rooted Wealth Analysis. That number again, 833-673-7373. That's 833-673-7373. One call can make all the difference. Brian, we've covered a lot of ground on today's show. What would you say the biggest takeaways are? What do you want people to remember from this conversation today? Well, I'll pick a couple parts from the show today. We talked about the most important uh, step was uh, providing for cash flow, your lifestyle. And then we earlier in the show, we talked about how stock and bond portfolios aren't built to accomplish that goal. They're not built for sustainable, predictable cash flow for life. And I gave an example of sequence of return risk where you completely run out of money when you just adjust the sequence of when the losses happen and they do happen. So we've got this combination of problems here. One is the most important thing, again, is your cash flow for life. And most people listening that uh, don't use us, their investments are in stocks and bonds, which is the two areas that don't accomplish the most important goal. Houston, we got a problem here. Most of America is in and retired people are in just the areas that don't accomplish the most important thing, which is cash flow for life. Uh, not to mention they're not getting a tax plan and they probably don't you know, have an updated will, living trust, a legacy plan, a gift plan, a health care plan, all these other things in security. They just have the growth piece and that didn't even work as recently as 2022. So uh, there's a lot of problem portfolios out there. There's a lot of bad advice on the Internet. There's a lot of maybe even advisors that aren't equipped to do what we talk about on the show. And so I think the takeaway is how important it is to get your retirement right But the tools that you're probably using or you're told to use just don't really accomplish what what the goal is in front of us. Brian, great conversation today. A lot of important ground that we covered. I want to thank you for your time, but I also want to thank the fine people here of the Greater Puget Sound for listening to us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Don't miss a show by subscribing to our Growing Your Wealth podcast with Brian Evans wherever you get your podcast. Until next week, stay well-rooted. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliated entities Madrona Financial Services LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans Inc. PC, Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans. 